Welcome to The Rock Bite, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and today I want to talk about two listener emails I've received regarding two recent episodes of The Rock Bite. So stick around to hear what two of your fellow listeners felt while hearing about the problem with electric mountain bikes and my take on the outside show. Before I get to that, you can also get in touch with The Rock Fight by sending an email to myrockfight at gmail.com or on socials where the handle for the show is at underscore rockfight underscore on threads, Instagram, and TikTok. Lastly, folks, it's the holidays, and the only thing I can ever ask for in this season of giving is for you to subscribe to The Rock Fight by clicking follow wherever you are listening, rating the show five stars, and leaving a quick comment or review again wherever you get your pods. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and hope that the new year treats you well. Okay, let's start the show. All right, so the first email I want to talk about today is about an episode of The Rock Fight called Electric Mountain Bikes Are a Problem. I've linked that episode in the show notes if you want to go back and check it out. And my take is on that episode that e-mountain bikes, not e-bikes in general, have become a problem because by choosing to learn to mountain bike on an e-bike, you have accelerated the learning curve of the beginner mountain biker where normally you'd have to build up your endurance as you learn to negotiate rocks and routes and how to ascend and descend, the e-mountain biker can do things that most beginner bikers can't. And as such, the acquisition of etiquette, something that is a nagging problem for the mountain bike community, is stunted. So in response to that episode came the following email from listener Troy D. Troy writes, Colin, it was mildly startling to hear a mountain biker call for etiquette given my experience... I know objectively I shouldn't have been surprised, but before the five years that I lived in the Wasatch Front of Utah hiking every week, I can't recall a single mountain biker who yielded to me. The action surprised me so much that I wasn't sure how to respond. I think he's referring to my take on mountain biking etiquette. I finally gave up hiking in some areas with narrow trails due to the stress of coming around each corner waiting for a near collision. Joining the dumbass day hikers blasting music from their phones, many of these young mountain bikers wore earbuds, ensuring that they would hear nothing of the world they were riding through. All right, as an earbud-wearing guy, you can hear, but I get your point. I was hiking with an older man one day when a mountain biker skidded past us. In response to the older man's surprised glare, the kid laughed and said, smile. And on the other hand, I was devoutly thankful for the polite riders who didn't yield but made some effort by putting clickers in their spokes I had time to hear them coming and dodge. Not sure if there were clickers in the spokes or if you're just talking about a, a loud drivetrain, but again, get your point. Now, mind you, he continues, mind you, this was pre-pandemic behavior. I know what the rules say, but I've always reasoned that no one rides to the top of a mountain to ride down slowly. That's for losers. And I imagine it's no fun to blast down a mountain, stopping for each hiker, dog, walker, and family. Therefore, I've observed many riders simply choose to ignore that etiquette. Yeah, and that's a problem. I'm not against e-bikes. I just won't need one until I'm old and or decrepit. E-bikes will likely add to the existing attitude slash etiquette problem, and it won't be tourists on rail trails or commuters or mobility-impaired riders. It will be easy to recognize e-mountain bikers who seek easy-attained thrills, not challenges, and whose priority is fetishizing their tech instead of appreciating clean air, sweat, and sunshine. That's from Troy. Troy, thank you for your email. It was a pleasure to read and definitely kind of what I was thinking about when I created that episode. And thinking about where to start, I guess, you know, I've dabbled in pretty much every human-powered outdoor sport there is at this point. But my top three in terms of time spent doing them, 
easily mountain biking, trail running, and hiking, which is probably what the lion's share of outdoor enthusiasts do the most. And it's typically done on trails. All three of them are done on trails where doing any of those three things is allowed at the same time. And when you're on multi-use trails, there's a delicate balance that is incredibly easy to upset no matter what your choice of locomotion is. Hikers and runners can definitely derail a lot on a multi-use trail, but bikers have the ability to ruin the day for more people than just about any other outdoor activity. You know, surfers can complain about kooks and resort skiers and snowboarders can go on about dealing with problems on the mountain. But the trifecta of hiking, running and biking being forced into narrow trails that require encounters to be handled gracefully means that the demo that is on two wheels and able to move at high velocity can fuck shit up for everyone else with ease. And I haven't even mentioned equestrians yet. But all of this is why etiquette is such an ongoing conversation in the trail community and why I am worried about the rise of electric mountain bikes. But regardless of the E of it all, Troy is spot on. My worst mountain bike moments are when I'm on a trail on foot and I observe cyclists disregarding or not even understanding the etiquette of riding on trails. When that happens, the mountain biker in me rages as I envision all this bad behavior resulting in future restrictions of where we'll be allowed to ride. Oh, and you need to stop saying that bikers in your neck of the woods are worse than anywhere else. I've lived in eight states at this point and encountered the exact same problems anytime I move to a new location. Here in Southern California, I constantly hear about issues with SoCal riders, and I saw all the same stuff in the Pacific Northwest and the Northeast, the Rockies. It doesn't matter. For a lot of folks, when they step onto a bike with fat tires, it becomes too hard to be considerate of anything other than riding the way they want to, And that is a bike problem, not a regional issue. So let me level set with any bikers listening to this who feel like your downhills are being ruined by hikers and horses and uphill traffic. Bikers have no rights. The only thing we are given on a bike is uphill bikers get the right of way to downhill bikers. Other than that, we yield to everyone in every direction when on multi-use trails. Now, bike-only and one-direction trails exist, and those are the places where you can let your bike flag fly. But if you're on multi-use trails without a bike bell and no fingers on your brakes when you're going downhill, you are in the wrong. Since the release of that episode about electric mountain bikes, I've had two encounters that have strengthened my resolve on this topic. The first was on a flowy rolling section of single track where there is no clear uphill or downhill definition to determine who has right-of-way. A situation where sometimes you just pull over and let an approaching rider pass. I know the horror, right? Anyway, I was moving at a decent clip, bike bell ringing, and I went into a hard right turn just as another biker was coming into the turn from the opposite direction, also with a bike bell ringing, and we nearly collided. The reason I'm talking about this is because both of us were doing everything right. Neither was at top speed, both had bike bells, and we still nearly hit each other. Luckily, we both grabbed our brakes, skidded to a stop, laughed it off, and went about our way. Had that person been a go-as-hard-as-possible e-bike rider, I might have ended differently. The second encounter I had was on a super steep climb that's mostly double-track, but very loose and chunky. And it's it's one of those gauge-my-fitness-type climbs where if I've been riding regularly and feeling strong, I can go straight to the top with no issues. But when I'm coming out of a haven't-been-riding-in-a-while phase... I generally take a quick break at a small plateau before continuing to the top of the climb. And as I am currently in a haven't been riding in a while phase, I was catching my breath at that plateau when two e-bikers passed me headed uphill. 
As they passed, they commented that they were cheating on their e-bikes. A little self-deprecation there, but that was their words. And expressed disbelief that I would attempt this climb on an analog bike. The acknowledgement of their advantage of an electric mountain bike combined with the awe of someone riding without electric assistance is astounding to me. And to bring it back to Troy's email, I'm going to assume that Troy's negative mountain bike encounters were mostly with regular old mountain bikes, which again strengthens my point of view about e-bikes, exacerbating the existing issues mountain bikers both face and cause. But ultimately, the etiquette is the same regardless of how equipped or unequipped your bike is. Bikers have to be the best trail stewards we have. Encounters with other trail users need to be carried out with deference, a smile, a hey, how are you, and ultimately a thank you. And regardless of my concerns, those two e-bikers I encountered did it right. They each had a bike bell ringing. They were cordial. I believe they were not the type of riders I once saw yelling at an equestrian over who has the right of way. Hey, and pro tip on that, it's the fucking equestrian. Horses have their own brains. And as prey animals, they're prone to panic and bolt. Your bike shares your brain. And as such, you are in control. So you need to act like it. So ultimately, like I said before, keep educating the poor operators out there. If you see bad trail behavior, point it out to the offender. It's kind of all we got. Our second email today comes from DJ in Boston. And DJ is writing in response to the episode of The Rock Fight where I broke down Outside Inc.'s new morning magazine-style show, The Outside Show. Which, again, if you missed that episode of The Rock Fight, it's linked in the show notes. So DJ writes, Hi, Colin. DJ here. First time, long time, big fan of the show, but I think your Gen X perspective has overlooked the biggest spenders and formerly most valued, but still actually the most valuable, outdoor audience, old people. Turns out they aren't dead yet. Who watches the Today Show? Old people. So with the outdoor industry being started by ahem, people who are currently old, thanks, DJ, you've got a ton of older people who would love to watch the Today Show for old outdoorsy people. So I completely understand why Outside made this show. They know who is still paying the bills, and more of them are coming. Boomers are booming into retirement, many of whom rekindled their outdoor passions during the pandemic, and yeah, they want to watch outdoor Michael Strahan tell them about the new blue blocker bifocal belay glasses. I respect the use of alliteration there. Did my millennial brain hate every second of that show? Yup, but it's not for me. Just like the Today Show, it wasn't designed for me, but lots of people watch it. I did think all of your other points are valid. Professional hosts exist for a reason. And like you called out about HBO's The Climb, I don't understand why outdoor-based programming thinks they can just toss any athlete on screen and it will work. TV producers should know this. Keep up the good work, throw more rocks, and here's one back at you, DJ. Well, thanks, DJ. And well, I, I do think it's a stretch that a veteran TV producer actually worked or works on the outside show, but your point is valid. The outdoor world is costly and old people have the money to spend and time to consume this content. But even if that was the brief, even if that was said in the room, I so desperately wish I had been sitting in when this show was pitched. And even if that is truly what they were thinking when launching the show, that we're going after older folks as our target. Well, even then, the end product, this show, is rife with problems. The first of which is where the show can be found. I don't want to get in trouble with the mouse, but my mom lives 3,000 miles away from me. She loves Marvel movies, and she struggles with modern devices. So you know whose Disney Plus login she uses? Mine. I set it up for her the last time I visited and hoped that it would last a few months, and luckily, it's still going strong. So if Outside was serious about their older consumers, they wouldn't put their show on their joke of a streaming service. They wouldn't put it on a streamer at all. They'd find a way to put this on linear television because that's what old people watch. 
I made the joke that calling this show the same quality of cable access would be an insult to cable access. Well, cable access would be a much more appropriate place for the outside show if an older demo was who you were chasing. But honestly, DJ, I think that assuming outside was truly targeting an older demographic is not what is happening here. When I look at who they have hosting and what they're attempting to cover on the show, and I've I've watched almost all three episodes to date, a little bit of fast forwarding here and there, but I've, I've put my time in watching the show. My guess is that they think they are being young and edgy. They clearly think they're on a path to providing the outdoor community with our own streaming service, and I'd wager real money that the phrase Netflix of the outdoors has been uttered in some meeting at Outside. But like everything else they're putting out these days, the product looks like it was produced by someone who doesn't either understand our community or even the basics of what a TV show looks like in 2023. It's not funny when it tries to be funny. It's not edgy when it tries to be edgy. And the topics aren't deep enough and quality of hosting and writing isn't strong enough to make it a pure guilty pleasure for those of us in the outdoor community. But something tells me that there is likely a lot of self-congratulating happening at Outside Inc. HQ when it comes to the Outside show. And hey, I appreciate your comment about the host, DJ. Frankly, the climb may actually be in a worse situation than the Outside show when it comes to host because they had Megan Martin sitting right there on the show. Who knows how to host? And they still let Chris Sharma take the reins. Makes no sense. All right, we can wrap it up there. Thanks to Troy and DJ and everyone else who has sent me emails. You can write in too. Send your email to myrockbite at gmail.com. Reach out on TikTok, threads, or Instagram where the handle is at underscore rockfight underscore. And please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. I'm Colin True. Thank you so, so much for listening. And here to take us out is Krista Makes with the Rock Fight Fight song. We'll see you next time, Rock Fighters. Rock fight.